0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory Glory to you, you, Lord Lord Christ. Christ. As soon as Jesus left the synagogue, he went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her as she began to wait on them. Then evening after, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, And driving out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. there is no denying the fact that we are living in difficult times. And they have been particularly difficult for almost a year now. Thanks be to God, we have some light at the end of the tunnel, as the expression goes. But we are also told that it will be some time yet before manufacturing has ramped up enough to make those vaccines widely available. Whenever I hear that metaphor of light at the end of the tunnel, it takes me back to an experience that I had early in my adult life, hiking on the CNO o Canal towpath. Out in western Maryland, there's a place where the engineers that designed the uh, canal and supervised its construction realized that they could cut off 21 miles of following the river if they would just cut a tunnel through this mountain. It's called the Paw Tunnel and it is very um, rustic, shall we say. Uh, they obviously maintain it so that it is a safe place to go and people walk through it who are hiking the trail. But it is dark and one simply has to put one foot in front of another with the only thing guiding them being that light at the other end of the temple. But what struck me as I walked through that tunnel that day was how far I walked and the light at the end of the tunnel didn't get any bigger. <laughs> it just stayed the same size. And it stayed. And it stayed. And I began to wonder, how long is this tunnel? And finally, as I began to approach the other end, I was able to discern that, in fact, that light was beginning to grow. and that way was getting bigger and bigger and finally breaking through to the light. I think that's very descriptive of where we are right now, where in the meantime while we wait for those vaccines to become widely available we're having to just kind of put one foot in front of another in the darkness, trusting that The pathway is well-graded and safe, and there are no hidden snakes. In the meantime, we continue with those limitations that we've known for the last year, and all those special protocols to keep one another as safe as we can in the absence of something better. Becky and I talk about that every once in a while, how those protocols are just kind of added to everything else that we do in life. So particularly if we're going to go out on errands, for instance, to mail letters, visit the bank, get our groceries, in the process of trying to gather our keys and my wallet and her purse and and um, the letters that we're going to mail and so on and so forth getting on our coats and hats when it's cool Um, so often we end up walking out the door and forget the masks and we realize sometime when we're in the car that we've forgotten our masks That's why Becky got the bright idea of keeping some masks in a Ziploc in the glove compartment of the car. But it also so often leads to that reflection on how much is added to all the kinds of decisions and and things that we have to do. And it begins to become a little overwhelming. Add to that how cut off we are from family and friends. Most of us try to keep a certain bubble of relationships where we can take confidence that everyone is being careful about those protocols, but then um, anybody beyond that, be they family or friends or whoever, we have to stay in touch with by phone or Zoom or social media. Thank the good Lord we have that kind of technology with the situation that we're in today. But for Becky particularly, the consummate extrovert, it is as painful as it is helpful. Because as she talks to people through these media, she realizes she's still not able to embrace them hello and goodbye. There is not that physical touch and can't be still for a while. Add to all that the civil strife that we've had in recent months and then just the normal events, crises of one sort or another within family and among friends the departure of people, things that would happen regardless of the current pandemic. But all of that is added to all of these other stresses. It's no wonder that the experts are finding an increase in depression, in, uh, in drug addiction, and in just plain loneliness. And we've all seen the ads from the state and local health departments about where to seek um, help for those kinds of issues. It's easy to get burned out and tempted to despair. Fortunately, our lessons today bring us some good news and some helpful advice, I believe, for our current situation and the feelings that we find ourselves dealing with. We find in Isaiah, for instance, that we are not the first, nor are we the only people to have gone through such discouragement and times of trial. The Israelites in his day had been in exile for a long, long time. But the desire to return to the homeland was just as strong as it had ever been. And the prophets were beginning to promise restoration and return, but it wasn't happening. They still waited and waited. And it was very, very difficult. In our lesson today, Isaiah acknowledges that fact. But he gives some counsel as to how to deal with it. When he says, think about God's majesty and his power, against which the people of the earth and the forces that would strive to hurt them are but grasshoppers and and withered grass. It's a matter of focus. If we focus on this world, it's going to drive us down and drive us crazy, if not into despair. But if we focus on God, what does Isaiah say? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. The psalmist likewise affirms uh, this same sentiment, sentiment when he said how good it is to sing praises to our God, focus on God, how pleasant it is to honor him with praise. And what's the result? He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wings. Even Paul in our epistle lesson today is an example of just this dynamic. Paul never stayed long in any one location. He was a church planter and his mission was to proclaim Christ in every place he could and to preserve that witness and that proclamation by establishing churches. He would ordain leadership, he would instruct them in the sacraments, he would teach them the basics of what they needed to know, and then he moved on. But in Corinth, there had been some false teachers who followed him that threatened to undo the good work that he had done. But in this passage today, we do not hear a man who is discouraged in any way. In fact, we hear a man speaking who is consumed by what God has done in his life. God's power at work within him and the promise of that grace and power and healing to the entire world. An obligation, he calls it, to preach the gospel. This is not a preacher who is burned out. This is one who keeps his focus on the God who saved him and the power of Christ at work within his life and within his heart. And he feels that compulsion to proclaim that word to everyone he can. Even Jesus in our gospel gives us an example of just this very kind of thing. The story starts with... uh, The end of a very long and very successful uh, day of ministry in the town called Capernaum at the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. He started in the synagogue, if you read what comes before this passage, in the morning, healing the paralytic and dealing with the controversy of the religious leaders who said, it's a Sabbath, it's a Sabbath, you can't heal. That's work. And then he goes on and he talks to, or or goes to the home of uh, Simon and Andrew, and he heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then he continues to preach and to heal the sick, and there were obviously many of them. Just an incredible day in ministry, Service to God the Father. And so, anyone who has had that kind of experience knows that as fulfilling as it is, it's also exhausting. So, what Jesus does, we are told, is early the next day he goes to a solitary place and he prays what's he doing? He's focusing in and he's having a conversation with God. And out of that comes a greater confirmation of what he has been sent to do. And so when his disciples come and say, Jesus, they're lined up at the door again. What are you doing out here? Jesus does not return. He says, and I'm going to give an interpretation of what I believe he was saying, was, I was not sent here to be a miracle worker. Miracles happen as a testimony to the power of the gospel. And They are a foretaste of the great healing that God has come to bring in his own life, culminating in his crucifixion and in his resurrection. They are but dim images of the great healing that will take place in our reconciliation with God and the gift of eternal life. And so he says, we must move on and preach there. That is why I was sent. It's a matter of focus. And that focus is kept in a couple of key ways as I read these passages. One is worship, as the psalmist says, give praises to God. Preferably with God's faithful people in concert with one another, where we can together build up and, and feel that grace flowing through Christ's body, the church, but also through prayer, both corporate and particularly in this case, individual prayer, spending time with God so that we don't lose that focus, so that we don't, despite all the temptations, find ourselves focusing on coping with the world because the world will always find new things to throw at us and keep us off guard, knock us off keel, whatever metaphor you want to use. But if we keep our focus on God, we not only are able to endure all things, but we are we find that we have the energy and the desire to share what we have done of God's work within our lives with others so that they can know hope and greater health as well. I think it's a powerful message that we have today and one that we clearly need to hear, especially as we are at this agonizing time between knowing that true help is on the way from a medical standpoint. And not being there yet. And having to continue to follow all of those added things that have been put upon us by this pandemic. It's good news we hear today. And it comes from Isaiah, the psalmist from Paul, and most of all, from Jesus Christ himself. Amen.